Locking Down. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Mike, and today we are talking about a topic that has picked up some steam as of late and is one of my longtime essentials, the idea of disruptive control, how defenders can flip the switch from reacting to dictating. We'll discuss developing the mindset, what disruptive control truly looks like, and my favorite drills for honing this skill. As always, make sure to sign up for the newsletter at LockdownHoops.com or follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Jagaki for video clips and more that go along with today's show. This deep dive episode will be a fun one, so let's get started. Oh man, oh man, what a defensive play in this defense. Wow. So in the last lockdown podcast, we got a chance to talk with Coach Catano of New Providence High School, right? A staple coach in New Jersey with over 500 wins and and tremendous accolades and sustained success. And he gave us a glimpse into what his typical practice looks like. And one thing that stood out was that he always starts with kind of the same drill, right? A transition disadvantage drill thinking three on two or two on one. Now his rationale was it's a high energy drill. It gets everyone moving, his players like it, and it's just a great way to start practice on the right foot. But I instantly saw the connection of not just how his teams are in transition defense, but also how well they play as a team defense, right? Rotating together, helping each other out, scrambling and playing on a string. Their ability to guard two, right, in recovery situations, their awareness to rotate with their teammates, and so forth. And obviously, we can see the translation, right? The transition tandem defense of a three-on-two, having to rotate with each other to protect the basket and guard the ball. And in a two-on-one situation, you know, being active, stunting recovery, and not giving up on the play. And I know a lot of coaches in the past few years have been fading these kind of drills because, you know, how many three-on-twos or two-on-ones actually happen in the game. But really, if we think about it, any small-sided game really has this kind of limited applicability, right? And instead, I think it's important to focus on the concepts and lessons that we're trying to instill from those drills. And in fact, I use a two-on-one transition drill to introduce the topic of disruptive control. During the lockdown camp, day one was all about containment, right? And creating a baseline for an average defender. But day two was about pressuring, right? About disrupting on ball. And the first drill I like to do is a two-on-one drill. And you're, and you're probably thinking, how does that relate to on the ball? Well, it's because of the mindset I need the players to get behind, right? I need them to understand the mindset of great and elite defenders. They're not spectators waiting to see what happens to react. Instead, we want them to have the mindset of being aggressive, right? Dictating. A lot of players actually don't like defense because they're going back on the defensive end thinking, oh, what's going to happen? How am I going to react? What am I going to have to do? Whereas on the offensive end, they're going down thinking, how am I going to make a play? What am I going to do? Well, they can carry that same mindset to the defensive end, right? You should be going back on defense thinking, how am I going to make a play? What am I going to do this possession to really disrupt these guys, right? Because because we might not always be able to control a make or a miss, right? These crazy fadeaway makes, but we can control what kind of shots we give up. Our goal is to make the offensive lives hard. And so in a two-on-one setting, that same mindset is needed, right? We can't be a spectator waiting to see what happens. 
We need to be active, stunting, recovering, playing mind games, right? How can I bait this player into a pass and then jump that pass? How can I make this player who wants the pass keep the ball and wall him up at the last second? Or who do I want to make who do I want to take this layup? Left-handed, right-handed, we start seeing defense as this inner chess game, right? This art form. And trust me, it's tough for some players to get this mindset. But once they do, it's a big change. And I like this drill, this two-on-one drill, because it is such a disadvantage for the defense. The chances of the defense succeeding are very slim. So now when we switch over to our one-on-one defensive work, that mindset stays the same, but the application changes. Now our thought is, how can we pressure this player to make him more predictable? And the honest truth is, a lot of players on the defensive end are scared to apply pressure to a good player because they're afraid they're going to get beat. And Avery Bradley has actually talked about this point exactly. And the full clip is on my YouTube channel, and I've tweeted out a a shorter video as well. But let's take just a quick listen here to hear one of the masters talk about it. I like to be closer because I feel like I can control what I want you to do. So say, if I'm close, you make the move, I'm able to, I'm keeping my hand right there in your pocket so I know where you can go. You go that way, I'm going to cut you off. You go this way, I'm going to cut you off. I feel like if I'm far back, you can make moves, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. So even against the superstars, I'm all the way in them. Even against the superstars, he's all the way in them. Because when you give a great player space, they use it to their advantage. Right now they can hit you with setup moves, they can get you leaning, shifting, they can pick up speed at you. It's just going to be very difficult to control and react to a great player. But instead, if you get in their bubble, yes, you may be more susceptible to an attack, but now you know exactly where that attack has to come from. right? Because if I get all on you, and I'm on your left hip, let's say, I know you need to attack me right. And it's this knowledge that gains me power, right? Because now, if you watch the clips of Avery Bradley, Kobe, Michael, all these great defenders, Beverly, as soon as you go to attack, they know that attack's coming and they start to cut you off. So now what happens? They cut you off. Now you they know you have to counter move. And now they can cut that off. And it's this series of disruptive control, right? Gaining one step advantage, knowing how they're going to attack you and anticipating and beating them to that spot. And that's what really great pressure defenders do, right? They constantly beat the offensive players to spots, make them turn, make them uncomfortable. And the only way to do that is to know what's coming, right? To gain disruptive control. And trust me, below the NBA level, this is so disruptive and disorienting for offensive players to go against. They are losing the ball just from getting cut off constantly. And they also want to get rid of the ball. They don't want that pressure. So now your guys in the passing lanes can really have some fun knowing that this player doesn't want the ball anymore. They just want to get rid of it. Now, this is all nice in theory, right? But there's two really main concepts we have to understand before we just start preaching this to our players and watching everyone get blown by, right? Number one is you can't just bum rush a player, right? If a player is bringing the ball up, you can't just run at him to start your pressure, right? You need to play a cat and mouse game. You need to stunt, recover, stunt, recover. We talk about that all the time off the ball as coaches, but it's just as important on the ball, especially when a player has a live dribble. We want to stunt at that player and recover in case they attack our stunt. 
and hopefully those stunt and recovers are shortening the distance between us and the ball handler so that if the ball handler is trying to run a play or not really concerned about our pressure the more stunt and recovery cat and mouse game we can play the closer and closer our pressure can become to the point where now we've got a good grasp of the offensive player now we can start to execute our disruptive control and hopefully at a point where our defensive system wants the ball picked up and it will vary depending on what kind of system you're running like if you want the ball picked up at half court does that mean you want to start playing that cat and mouse game there or is that where you want your pressure to begin because those are two very different things right do you want at the volleyball line do you want at the three-point line for example let's say we want it at the volleyball line that's where we want our pressure to start our heat up line right well then our defender kind of has to be waiting at half court for that ball handler bringing the ball up so that he has that space to play that cat and mouse game get in get out of that offensive player so that he has that 10 feet of space to get closer and closer to start that pressure. Now only one player will realistically pick up the ball, right, and start our defense. I like to call him the point guard of our defense. But everyone else will execute a closeout or a different coverage to get from off ball to on ball. And that brings up point number two, right? We have to know our personnel. Applying pressure is going to look different from player to player. We don't want our average to below average players smothering the ball, unless it's your system, but smothering the ball to the point where they're just going to get it blown by and their first step is not nearly fast enough to recover or close that gate. And this could send us down a whole nother deep dive rabbit hole of no comfy quarterbacks, making sure that every player is having an impact on the ball and how we're going to do that depending on different levels of defensive ability. But instead, I want to stay on this topic of disruptive control and how to train that and how to get our players better and better so that they can actually execute this topic. Coaches, I wanted to take a quick moment and talk about the On-Ball Pressure Clinic. This is a 37-minute clinic dedicated solely to the art of pressure on ball defense. It will cover this idea of disruptive control as well as so much more, including video breakdowns, techniques, stances, footwork, and the entire drill progression from start to finish. If you're interested in this topic, visit LockdownHoops.com to find the clinic. Now, let's get back to the podcast. I want to go ahead and jump into my favorite drills for really honing this concept and teaching it to our players. And I'm going to single out two of my favorite drills in one of my typical progressions. And the first drill is called pressure box. And it's absolutely one of my favorites for introducing this idea and also not overwhelming our players and trying to mitigate initial failure. Because defense is very reliant on confidence, just like any other skill, right? And we don't want to just tell our guys to go have at it and pressure the hell out of the ball and then just get beat for layups constantly or full court. Instead, I want to take the same approach we use in shooting instruction, right? We're not going to have a guy line up at the three-point line to start his shooting technique. We're going to start him in close, work on his form shooting, and slowly progress him out, right? Mitigate those initial failures, build on confidence. 
And so I view the pressure box as a safe space to experiment with pressure. And honestly, I developed the drill because I was working with a youth team that was struggling handling bowl pressure. And so I used it as an offensive drill initially to make our guys handle the ball with intense pressure and keep their eyes out, call up numbers and all that sort of stuff. But I realized the power of it as our players were getting better and better at pressuring the ball. And so we set up a box, or you can just use the paint to make it easier, and you have an offensive player and a defensive player in that box. And for 30 seconds, the offensive player is trying to create separation within that space, an arm's length or greater separation. And if they do that, they get one point, and they call it out as they're going for 30 seconds. The defender's goal is obviously the inverse, right? Not to give up any points to keep that pressure rolling. And it's a great starting point because even if the defender makes a mistake, right? If they completely get burned on their pressure, it's not they're, they're not watching now the offensive player blow by them and now we have to reset the whole drill. They made a layup. No, the drill is focused solely on pressure, right? Creating pressure and handling pressure. It's not about scoring. It's not about makes. It's about pressure. That's what success is deemed on in this drill. And I find that when you have a drill that's so focused, right, so laser focused on one topic, that players can get naturally better at it through just repping out the drill. And of course, as a coach, you're going to have your interventions, your coaching cues. You know, I've even got behind defenders and pushed them up into the offensive player to really understand what pressure and disruptive pressure looks like. And you'll be surprised at how naturally the players start picking up on this concept and how quickly they start to realize how they can apply pressure and anticipate beat the player to the spot and really maximize this drills constraints great teaching points that typically come up are obviously controlling for fouls right making sure we're not being too handsy and relying on our our hands to guide and apply pressure but instead using our chest catching the the attacks with our chest showing our hands and the other point is the offensive player will lose the ball occasionally, right? They'll fumble it off their foot because they are getting stood up in such a tight space and they're, they're having a hard time handling the pressure. When that ball starts to get fumbled, right, when it's between their legs or it goes off their foot a little bit, a typical defender in this drill will just relax. And, and that's not what we want, right? We want to smell blood in the water and pounce. That offensive player no longer has complete control of the ball. That's our time to really amp up and make sure he doesn't get it back. And so we'll go for 30 seconds. The defense is pressuring the offense. The whistle blows. They know their score. And now they just switch offense, defense, to the other person goes for 30 seconds. And it's a, it's a competition. And it's also a safe space to experiment with pressure and start to understand this idea of disruptive control and getting ahead of the offensive player. And now we can start to make it more challenging, add more consequences to poor defense, and more rewards to better defense. And that's a great transition for drill number two, a drill I like to call one-on-one -on -one lane line. And I know it's not the most creative drill name. It's a great build on from pressure box because now we're, we're going to start offense and defense on the baseline. And the offensive player's goal is to get to the top of the key within the lane lines, right? He has to stay in the lane lines. The defender's goal is obviously to make that journey as tough as possible. And he's going to count out in his head or out loud how many turns he creates, right, in that journey to the top of the key. 
Once the players get to the top of the key, the offensive player is going to put the ball on the ground. The defender now is going to grab the ball going from defense to offense, and he's going to be rewarded for how well he did on defense, right? And so if he got three turns, now he gets three dribbles to go score, and there's no barrier, right? He doesn't have to stay in the lane lines anymore, but his defense is instantly rewarded on the offensive end. Whereas if he got blown by, right, he didn't cause any turns. Well, now he's got no dribble. Now it's going to be a hell of a time scoring. But if he gets five turns, six turns, well, now his job's a lot easier on the offensive end, which is also a great mindset to bring to the game as well. And of course, the other guy is not out of the hook either, right? He's on the offensive end trying to get to the top of the key. Once he gets there, he's going from offense to defense, and now he can't give up an easy basket. Now he's working on his one-on-one defense, staying in front, pressuring, walling up at the rim, making life tough. So we're not only getting this kind of turn pressure element to start the drill, but we're also incorporating one-on-one play, which is a great defensive and offensive development tool as well. And we'll typically go for a time limit or a number of makes you need to win. Win, But again, I like this drill for the same kind of reasons I like pressure box. It's a somewhat limited area where the defender has a chance to succeed, especially early on when we're still incorporating and building this principle. They have this tight, narrow lane that they have to defend. And the same concept of disruptive control is going to help them get there, right? Being able to cut a player off, beat him to a spot, turn them, beat him to a spot again. That's the disruptive control we're looking for. And so those are my two favorite drills in developing this disruptive control mindset. And we obviously progress from there, widening the scope of the drill, making it more severe, making it more game-like. And we also didn't touch on the, the precursors to the drills, right? Making sure our players have the athleticism, have the foot speed to execute this kind of pressure and movements. Of course, if you want to find out more about training those footworks and developing defensive athleticism, you can check out the defensive footwork training program on our website at lockdownhoops.com. But if you have a player who has the skill set or a team that has the athleticism, introducing them to this idea of disruptive control can really take them to the next level and make them go from passive and reactive defenders to controlling, dictating, and disruptive defenders that no one will want to go against. Thank you for listening to the Lockdown Podcast. Make sure to hit those notifications, those subscribe buttons, so you get alerted when the next podcast comes out. If you want to know more about Lockdown products, head to LockdownHoops.com. And if you want to get in contact with the show, email LockdownDefensePod, that's P-O-D, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.